Hey there, this is Larry, and I'm here with Armin. You're about to listen to a great episode. But before you do, we want to let you know that we're now podcasting over at the Bold Idea Podcast. That's right, and we're not adding any new episodes to Reinventure Me, but we think you're really going to like what we're doing on the Bold Idea Podcast. We're interviewing some great guests and packing ideas and inspiration to help you put your faith to work to bring your idea to life. So when you're done with this episode, go check it out at boldideapodcast.com. Episode 99 of the Reinventure Me Podcast. Well, few of us make it through life without some kind of deep wound. Handled right, that wound, though, can be the gift the world needs. Join us for this episode of Reinventure Me. Find your next great beginning. Welcome to the Reinventure Me Podcast with your hosts, Larry Gates and Armin Asadi. Hey there, and welcome to episode 99 of the Reinventure Me podcast. This is Larry Gates along with Armin Asadi. And did you notice how I said 99, Armin? Oh, no. We're almost there. <laughs> Triple digits. We are going to be digits. shipping our 100th episode next week, and Armin and I have something fun planned. Oh, yeah? <laughs> oh, yeah. Do we? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, yeah? <laughs> well, I think it's going to be fun. So if you want to show up for the ride, come along, you know? I will. I'll be there. Don't worry. No, no. We get, we, we've got a good show set for you next week. I, at least I have to let our Armin know <laughs> that we have a good show. And he knows what it is. He's just, it is. No, it is going to be really good. He's, he's just having fun. I'm nervous. I'm nervous because it's something I do. I have done for a long time and still trying to find my success in it. So Yeah, all right. You're inkling our show, but let's leave that for <laughs> later. But you know, this is the podcast for what's next in life. And we sure hope you're getting into 2016. And you're thinking about all those things that are next in your life. And, and we're here to help you discover the new ways to reinvent your life, your opportunities, and the ventures God's called you into because this is the Reinventure Me podcast. And we're on episode 99, which means the show notes for this Show will be where? Reinventure.me backslash 99. There you go. Pretty easy. Yeah. If you listen to this show more than once, like say 98 times, you probably know that <laughs> that's how we do things here, right? But from now on, there's going to be three digits. Yeah. Oh, that's going to be pretty cool. <laughs> we're that big of a deal right now. Yeah. That's that's pretty Yeah. We're that big of a deal, <laughs> which means we've done 100 of these things. But you know, actually, we're already over the 100 mark because counting our toolbox episodes, we've done nine of those. So And clinics. Yeah. And, and well, no, the Clinics are in the regular shows. Oh, but that's, yeah, of course they yeah, are. I yeah, knew that. Yeah, I'm yeah, a part of this, yeah, Larry. Exactly, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's all right. <laughs> I, I don't remember things very well either. But. Hey, I want to let you know that I have my Bold Idea workshops coming up in February, next month now, to Minneapolis, Denver, and San Francisco, East Bay Area. This is your chance to think about what you might want to ignite, craft, and launch. And maybe there's something that's already been on your mind for a long time. You just haven't been able to get to it. Or maybe you have no idea what it might be, but you have something stirring inside of you. You think something's there. You just need some help bringing it forth. Well, the Bold Idea Workshop is for you. Look at boldideaworks.com. Go out to the website there. See if that might be appealing to you. And don't wait to register because this is going to be an incredible time in February. And, you know, I mean, it's some of the most fun I have all year. Is Yeah. It? Well, isn't the Strategic Margin Clinic coming up? Yep, and I have a Strategic Margin Clinic or a Strategic Margin Workshop 
coming up on that's the one January 29th, right? Okay, yeah. yeah, this is my first one. I'm actually going to be yeah, at. So yeah. that's what, I, I thought you were going to announce that. No, that's well, listen, I mean, for those of you who want to think about how you can focus on creating more margin to think creatively about your career and your business, the Strategic Margin Workshop will be held in Minneapolis on January 29th, strategicmargin.com for that. But lest we just spend all of our time talking about things that are coming up, <laughs> we need to get into this episode because <laughs> this is an important episode, I think, Armin. It is, it is. And I, and I think it's perfect after the last uh, story episode we did. But let's let's start off with some inspiration. I, I loved this quote. Larry literally had to stop me from putting it out on social media feeds because I got excited about it. But <laughs> <laughs> here's what it says. It says, the great illusion of leadership is to think that man can be led out of the desert by someone who has never been there. Mm. And that's by Henry Nouwen, famous Dutch Catholic theologian, theologian, writer, and spiritual foundationalist, as they called him back in the day. <laughs> One of the real luminaries of yeah. our time, I think, spiritually speaking, Henry Nouwen. I love reading his his books. And that came out of a book called The Wounded Healer. Mm. And this is the topic that we're going to talk about today, Armin. You know, last week we talked about the power of story. And uh, really a little bit about how we can tell our story and how important that is to tell sure. our story. But now we turn to something perhaps a little more challenging, which is understanding our story. Yes. And this is going to be a really difficult topic. So if anyone's listening, if this gets awkward because of me, I'm sorry. Because, <laughs> but this is, this is, <laughs> I got all sorts of wounds. <laughs> this is going to be like reading my mail <laughs> in public. So bear with me. <laughs> you, you sound like you, you, you sound like the server that comes up and says, I'm sorry, this is my first day on the job. Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah, uh, yeah. Are you, does that mean you're going to pour the food all over me? You There's know? a great chance that's going to happen. It might, I might vomit all over you at some point during this topic. Well, I think this is an important topic because we need to understand our story. And, you know, we've talked about this before, I mean, how, yeah. especially like on Facebook or social media, you tend to always get the highlights of people's lives, you know, because yeah. highlights are more fun to share. And we talked about that in the last episode, yeah. you know, I hate the Christmas cards where everything is a hyperbolized highlight, right. you know, <laughs> but really story. And I think we talked about it last time too, is made up of tension and tension mm -hmm. between an obstacle that needs to be overcome and the hero or heroine of the story who's trying to overcome the obstacle. Right. So when we turn our attention to our own story and thinking about our story for ourselves and understanding it, mm -hmm. we can't just present the story as a litany of highlights Sure, because then it's kind of just a resume. Yeah. It's not really a story. And I think we talked about that a little bit That's last week. That's a really too. boring story. It is a boring life. story. You know? right? it's like, yeah. Right? Yeah. Everything started good. Everything stayed good. And, and it everything got better from well. there. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> 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 second chapter. I'm done. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> You know, the thing about it is I do know a few people that seem like their life is that kind of storybook where yeah. it just feels like everything just continues to go well and always goes well and will always go well. Did you ever punch that person? I don't, you know, I don't, <laughs> mentally, <laughs> mentally. And then, you know, there are times when I think, you know, it can't be as good as it's being projected. Yeah. But. That's usually the case. And then sometimes I go, well, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it is. <laughs> maybe it is that good. <laughs> but, you know, really, to get to it, every great story is the story of triumph over something. Mm -hmm. In fact, the greatest story ever told was that of Jesus' life and his triumph over death itself. That's right. the biggest something to have a triumph over. Yeah. But 
for many of us, that what we have had triumph over is going to be considerably less than that, but it's still deep and significant, and it, and it can be a deep, deep wound. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's an abuse by a parent or some neglectful arrangement with parents or something, or abandonment or what have you, oftentimes harsh words by parents can linger and really drive behavior of, yeah. of kids. And, it, and kids going into adults, I mean, you, you know, when we were kids, we might have sung, maybe you, maybe you didn't come from a Middle Eastern background, but over here in America, right? I mean, you know, as kids, you'd say sticks and stones might break my bones, but words will never hurt me. You've heard that before? Yes, I okay, have. Okay, all right. Awesome. Good one. <laughs> I'm never quite sure. But, you know, you say that, but the fact of the matter is words often do hurt and oftentimes leave a lingering, lingering impression. I think I may have shared with you on an earlier episode. I still remember where I was when I was a kid when my mom said, I wish you had never been born. Oh, geez. You yeah, know, that was and, a shame and, episode. Yeah, it was a shame episode. And it's just words like that stick. Mm-hmm. And I can rationalize and justify why she would have said it. And the fact that she did so many more things to disprove her belief in that. Yeah. But the fact still remains. Those were words that were said, and it does have an impact. And maybe it it's a it's not a parent's abuse or neglectfulness or just downright words that have been spoken to you, but maybe it's some betrayal that you had a partnership, a marriage, or some kind of rejection of somebody that's been important in your life. Or maybe you've suffered some catastrophic failure, you know, maybe a bankruptcy or a firing. Maybe there's some kind of moral failure. Sure. There's all kinds of things in our lives that can leave deep, deep wounds. And those wounds drive us. They're part of our story. Mm -hmm. And the question is, how are those wounds affecting us today in terms of how are they motivating us? Yeah. I mean, it, if you think about the greatest stories ever written of people, Jesus suffering death, Martin Luther King suffering right. death, Gandhi suffering death, right? But every single one of those people, they suffered consequences that were beyond imagination, but the outcome, the consequence of them dealing with that suffering and overcoming it change the trajectory of the world. Yeah. Right? It's it's some of the greatest stories ever told because their sacrifice literally changed the world we live in. Yeah, and you're talking about the ultimate sacrifice, the the paying for their life, but even the story we told last week when we started the episode off of Abraham Lincoln mm-hmm. about all of his successive failures mm-hmm. and how that even though each one of them probably was deeply deeply disappointed and I got to believe that he carried a lot of wounds uh, as a person sure, uh, yeah. coming forward in his life, he didn't let those wounds be the narrative of the final outcome of his story. He really did take a hero's perspective in overcoming those wounds. And so we like to read about that because it's a triumph yeah. over what might have knocked other people way out of the game. Yeah. You know, he's given up. Yeah. And so we love those stories. We love those biographies. And yet oftentimes we don't think about the biography of our own life because we're, you know, we're just trying to make it through the day. We're trying to deal with the circumstances. And, you know, Anna, sometimes uh, when I was younger, when we were early married, you know, she'd say, how's the dragon slayer? And, and that was kind of a neat metaphor to use because I'd feel like some mornings I just go out there and I try to slay the dragons. And oftentimes the dragons won, you know? <laughs> but I could always come back home. And I know, always know that there was a safe place here to get recharged and to go back out again. But it is a metaphor yeah. or at least a, a story image, really almost a fantasy image of what life is like. There are times you're going to have 
of triumph. And there's times when you have just downright exhaustion and failure <laughs> and just this time when you come home and you don't have a leg. You're right. Because the dragon took yeah. it. You know? <laughs> Got the best of you. <laughs> And, you know, in earlier episodes, I mean, I talked about uh, some of the deep wounds that I had that went back to my childhood and some of the ways it affected me. I talked about how I chose a major in physics to try to prove my intelligence because of some of the things that were going on in my family. And my dad never really invested much in my life as a person. I never really got inside of my dad's head. He never really shared much about what was going on inside of him. And he never really entered into my life to try to figure out how to mentor or coach or just even be around me. So I very much felt like I was this isolated person who had to prove something to the world. And the value system in my family was to be intelligent. I mean, that was like, my mom was like, that was a big thing. That was a huge value. And I felt like, okay, if I'm going to be meaningful to the world, I have to prove that I'm intelligent. Yeah. Right. So I empathize. I, yeah. Well, I went to the University of Colorado to get a degree in physics because astrophysics, because it sounded like a smart thing to get a degree in. <laughs> totally not a fit for me. <laughs> and I discovered that far too late. You know, not, you know, I, I discovered it when I was like almost done with college. <laughs> yeah, you might as well finish. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what it was. But it happens all the time, and people are driven to try to validate themselves based on some kind of wound they have. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the story of my life, right? My my family's the same way, very much intelligence-based, but it's two very specific types of intelligence that they look for. Are you a doctor or are you an <laughs> engineer? Yeah, like credentialing, right? Yes, yes. So that was kind of my thing growing up. But I always had the issue of being compared to my sister, who's an actual genius, right? So I, I'm always compared to the phenom. So every time I don't do something or handle a test in some way or whatever it might be it was the most common thing i always heard growing up is why can't you be more like your sister it's just like oh god if you knew my sister you wouldn't want to be like her either of course she loved hearing that right oh, of course yeah so she needed a little bit more pride in ego well and you know if you're careful to see it you can observe it in the workplace too i had a client that i was doing a strategic planning retreat for and there was one particular leader who was really a hard leader for many of the others to be around. Very demanding, very much a perfectionist, very driven person. Hmm. And in the course of conducting this strategy session, there was a point of vulnerability during one of the dinners and learned some things about this man and Hmm. and some of the successes that his dad had Hmm. and how he was motivated to try to live up to the success that his dad had And the imprint, I think, that his dad had put on him that it might be difficult for him to do so. Mm. And that it was something that he had to really strive for. And so there was Mm. this bar. You you talked about the expectation of your parents to be a doctor or a lawyer or whatever. Yeah. Well, this man's trying to follow in his dad's footstep and finding that he never has able to kind of reach up to that level of success. And it's driven him. And it drove the people that worked with him crazy too, because his expectations on them were really high. I mean, he was impatient and somebody mm. didn't come through with what they, he was thinking that they should do. It would affect, of course, his ability to be successful, which then just threw everything a kilter. And it, you know, he just felt like he was more likely than to prove to his dad that he could never be as successful as his dad. And sometimes mm. parents are that way. Sometimes they compete with their kids. They don't want their kids to outperform them, you know, many parents do, but some don't. And it creates this tension where, 
you know, the, the parent themselves may need validation and they don't certainly want their kid to be able to do something that they had a hard time doing. Mm. And it just is, it's sad, yeah. but it, it can create wounds like that and can drive, drive it deeply. And so the question really we have to turn to is, you know, when you've got a drive like that, how do you turn it into a passion so that you can pursue the thing that is of most importance to you rather than pursuing something that's merely an obligation? It's a great question. Cause a lot of times it's the opposite for me. Hmm. It's not, it's not, well, it's validation. It's not. Yeah. So we spend time, more time trying to validate and get, and that's really where a lot of, I think social media actually hooks into we all want to be famous in that way. And so I think it hooks into this drive that other people have an interest in what I'm eating for lunch or other people yeah. have an interest in, yeah. in my dog's videos or whatever. And some of that's just fun sharing. Mm -hmm. But I think that there's also something very deeply psychological need that social media is taking advantage of or at least tapping into by saying, hey, I, you, you can kind of be narcissistic sure, yeah. in a safe way on this platform, yeah. share all your successes, share all the good things you're doing, share all, all of this. Yeah. And frankly, what it's doing is it's feeding our wound. Hmm. It's saying, you know, tell me I'm important. Tell yeah. me by the number of Twitter followers or Facebook friends or whatever metric is important to me. Tell hmm. me that I'm valued based on the size of the people that seem to be interested in what I have to say. Yeah. That's and that's, that's really what celebrity is all about. That's so crazy. I never thought about that, that something like social media is literally causing this vicious cycle of this self-feeding narcissism or this need for validation or whatever it is. Yeah, I don't like, think it's causing the wound. I think it's, I think it's feeding the wound. Sorry. Need. Yeah. That's what I meant. Yes. But, it, but it's, it, it's keeping the cycle going rather than yeah. fixing it or dealing yeah, with and it. Yeah. And I think many of us, fueling perhaps it all of us are wounded in some way that we want validation from our wound. But I love what Randy Komisar said. He said, passion pulls you towards something you cannot resist drive pushes you towards something you feel compelled or obligated to do. And if you know nothing about yourself, you can't tell the difference. God, that's so good. And I know we shared this before, maybe back in the emotional intelligence episode, perhaps. Possibly. Yeah. 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 I, I know we shared this quote before, but I keep coming back to it because I think it's so insightful that drive, which is something you feel obligated to do and passion, the thing that you want to do looks the same if you don't know anything about yourself. And because mm -hmm you're wounded and you're dealing with it out of your wound. That's what's causing it. The yeah. very thing that you're driven to seems like it could be your passion, but you don't know because you haven't really taken a look inside to say, where's the wounds in my life? Yeah, I mean, I, I, it's making me think right now, you know, how many different things I've taken on projects I've taken on things I've tried to do in my life that had nothing to do with my passion other than just felt obligated to do them. If I was successful at it, it would have proved a point. Yeah. It wouldn't have been a point I cared about. Yeah. How much of what we do is driven just to be validated, mm. just to have somebody say, you're okay. Mm. When that's the longing of a wound, a wound cuts you down, but the longing is to say, you're okay. You know, you're, you're, you're all right. And we try to do things to do that. You see the motivation from the wound is self validation, mm. but the motivation from the healing is to help others heal. Mm. So we can choose to work from our wound or work from our healing of that wound. Hmm. You know, and the Bible talks about 
the God of all comfort who comforts us in our trouble so we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we have received. The idea is we get healing in our wound, then we are able to also provide that healing and comfort to other people as, as a result. Okay, so here's where my head is at right now. I get the motivation from the wound of self-validation and the motivation from the healing is to help others. How do you get yourself from a place of trying to validate yourself to a place of trying to heal someone else? Because sometimes I don't feel like even awareness is enough to help you cross that bridge. So what do I need to do or what do I need to know to take myself out of a place of self-validation to a place of healing others? Yeah, that's a great question. And of course, it starts with you need to know that you're wounded and what that wound is. Right. right? And then there's no simple formula here, but there's an important principle. And I think that important principle is that you need to give grace to your wound and to the, the person that caused the wound. Okay, so... And, break that down. For yeah. So grace, I like to think about grace as the difference between your expectation of someone else. Mm-hmm. Like if you had a parent that wounded you, your expectation of the parent would be, they always love you. 724, always saying positive things, always sure. building you up. Right. Yeah. And the one time they don't, they've fallen short of your expectation. And grace is what makes up the difference between mm-hmm. their performance and your expectation. And when you think about it, it's a very simple explanation too. the grace of God toward us. His grace toward us covers the gap between what we're able to do and a full, complete fulfillment of the law, hmm. which we can never fulfill. Yeah. And so Christ came to be that difference between us because he did. Yeah. And so that's a beautiful description. I think of grace is the, is the difference between expectation and performance. And so for me, the big turning point for me in my healing of the wound that I had with my dad was to recognize that hurt people hurt people. Sure. And if I was hurt by him, it was because he was hurt perhaps too. So I had to look at his life and say, what was his life like? Now, I wasn't able to ask him those questions, but I was able to piece enough together through some of the family history to know that my dad didn't have a dad growing up. So he didn't have a role model. His dad, I think, either passed away or left early in his life. So he had Mm. no good role model. In fact, the wound that I carry is probably a tenth of the wound that he carried. And so from that perspective, he was a success because he didn't pass on nearly as much of the wound to me. And and so I guess I can be a success if I pass on a tenth of the wound to my kids, (laughs) only a tenth of the wound to my kids that he had to me. So that's, that's, I think, a great place to start is Mm. to say, how can I recalibrate my expectations Mm. and extend grace to say, you know, I don't know all of the things that motivated that person. And there's probably hurt there too. And understanding that allows me to ask forgiveness for it. And, and you know, we've talked about the Anne Lamott quote that I, I I love so much is forgiveness is giving up all hope of having had a better past. Yeah. And I just love that because it applies directly to the healing of our wound. Hmm. It's so funny just hearing that because even just hearing you talk about your dad and the way you showed him grace, I start processing that and, you know, I'm thinking, okay, my dad was one of 16 siblings and him trying to get attention from his father was borderline impossible. And, you know, like me and, and they were always pinned against each other. Right, that that's how they motivated because they're they're on a farm. Oh yeah, so 
yeah. <laughs> you know, they're pinned against each other. Yeah. They had to well. fight for the food at the dinner table, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, even just you saying something simple like that almost takes some of my past, you know, daddy issues that I have and almost makes it laughable a little bit, you know, not, not in the sense that, but just it, it's funny because you think about like how much worse his situation was compared to mine, but it still affects me in such a wounded way, you know? Mm. It's crazy. No, I really like saying that it gives me a lot of uh, perspective in terms of why I respond to certain ways that I do. You know, this is not something that you just naturally kind of think about. It's not like you wake up one morning and you say, you know, I'm going to think about my wounds in my life and I'm going to, you know, yeah, part grace. of this podcast is maybe to bright raise re- visibility of it. But do you know how I got in, in touch with this particular wound in my life? How's that? Totally out of the blue, unexpected. Anna and I went to go see, a number of years ago, Big Fish, the movie. Okay. Have you I, seen this no, movie? No, I haven't, no. This is a terrific story about a man who goes back to visit with his dad because he's about to have a child of his own, and so he starts asking his dad about what his life was like. Okay. And his dad tells all these big fish stories about just fantasy, about what his life was like. And uh. it, was, it was bigger than life, right? It was bigger than life. And... He goes through this journey of trying to say, well, what was truth? Dad, who really are you? How do I know who you are when you tell all these big fish stories? I don't really know what's true with you. And Armin, that was the story of me with my dad. Hmm. I was that young man going back to his dad saying, who are you? I want to know who you are. And never really finding out who the man was inside. This is the only movie that I have ever watched where when the credits were going up, I could not stand up. I was bawling. My knees were weak. And I was the only one in the theater, by the way, this way. Because everybody else was like, all right, they left. Anna was sitting there with me. I just could. All the credits went before I was able to gather my strength and go. Because that story triggered it in me. So movies can, you know, bring that out. And and you don't know exactly what's going to trigger your awareness of a wound. But that did it for me, and it was huge. Crazy. Because then it got me to say there's something about that story that reflected my own journey. Hmm. It wasn't precise, yeah. but it was close enough that it hit me in an unguarded way about hmm. this journey that the son has to try to understand his dad was the same journey that I did, a longing to try to really know who, who my dad was. You know, I was never going to be able to find out. Yeah. He had passed. But it got me in touch with that wound. And... When we experience a healing of a wound, I mean, it doesn't mean the wound goes away. You know, there's always going to be a scar. But when the wound is not healed, it's a weakness we have because it always cries out, like we talked about, for attention. Sure. Tell me I'm okay. Tell me I'm all right. And it creates behaviors that create uh, tension, like my client who was really hard on other people. The impact of that, of course, is that it drives them away and you end up getting the self fulfilling prophecy. Sure, yeah. Because of that, you know, the wound wounded people are hard to be around. Yeah, but yet they need the attention. Yeah, well, it's, it's the neediness that drives it, people away. That's right. Because it's right. overwhelming for the people that they're with. Yeah. yeah, but once that healing occurs, it isn't like there's no sign of the wound. You know, there's still a scar. Yeah, but a scar doesn't call out for attention. A scar is a reminder of how you persevered and you were successful. Yeah. You know, I, I remember, I mean, the movie, bringing up movies here in this episode, but I remember the movie Jaws. Did you, did you see that movie? I did. Okay. I did. So there's that scene on the boat. It's late at night and they're kind of waiting. It's all quiet out of the waters. And Hooper, 
shows the scar on his leg where he's got stung by and so they have the scar showing contest right <laughs> yeah, yeah. i love the scene where brody's thinking about showing him the scar on his belly where he had an appendix removed <laughs> not exactly the qual- caliber of scar that they were talking about <laughs> actually the only movie i'm thinking of is lethal weapon 3 <laughs> but i imagine Sakura Dessence does kind of the yeah, that, that, that was a that, Mel Gibson, Rene Russo scar comparing scene. Yeah, yeah and then it turns into sex. So <laughs> we don't need to go into that scene. I'll just let that one go. <laughs> well, anyway, some of our scars, <laughs> like in that movie, you know, may not be visible, but they are they are there. And it's a it's a way for us to be reminded that we were vulnerable once we overcame. And it's also a way for us like that scar comparing thing that we can identify with somebody else's wound. Yeah. And that's really what was going on. There was a bonding moment, both in both movies, right? Yeah. There was a bonding moment, both physically and metaphorically. <laughs> that's what I was about to say. <laughs> yeah. But, but the point is important one because there's a bonding moment when we reveal our scars, Yeah, not our wounds because our wounds need to be healed. I mean, there, there's a point to sharing your wounds as well, but the scars show a reminder of the battle that yeah. we were in. It's a sign of victory. It's not a sign of defeat, right? Um, I, I think a lot of times when I show my wounding, it's weird. I almost have a defeatist mentality. Well, I, like we should never have a wound. Like we should always be dressed up without any blemish. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, but it's different. Especially, I think the biggest change is when you encounter God and then you you realize there's something so powerful about all the things that you think made you unworthy or undeserving of being loved or being accepted or being whatever, right? And it's weird because until I became a Christian or became aware of God's existence, my past, who the, the issues that I had always became this thing that always made me think that I w- should not have something or be around certain people or have some kind of freedom or have some kind of whatever. It literally disqualified me in every aspect of my dreams mm. and it limited me. And then I, I, and I realized, and I had this encounter, where I realized, no, these, these past issues that I have don't define who I am and define my future. And it was weird because it was, it, it was just a new kind of perspective to have because it was like, it was, it was God literally saying all those things that you think made you unworthy or disqualified. You're the exact things that I'm going to use to bring you into this new light. I'm going to bring you into this new future and give you everything that you thought you couldn't have. Right. And, and I think that that's when all of a sudden I took my wounds and turned them into scars and said like, no, these aren't things that take me out of life. These are the things that give me life. Yeah. These are the things that will give other people life. These are things that will make you stand in front of people that are dealing with the same kind of challenges and make them listen to you. Exactly. And I guess if there's one takeaway from this show that I think is an important thing to grab a hold of and a truth is that the wound that we didn't want is the gift the world needs. Yeah. Wow. And and, and that is, you know, that is if we can transform it into that. You know, and a lot of people have taken their wounds They've gotten healing from them. And part of the way they got healing was, in fact, to enter into a vocation where they were helping other people through the same kind of wounds. Mm. You know, there are a lot of people that enter, for instance, human services professions because of some wound that they had. Counselors, people Mm. that enter into nonprofits, people that start up nonprofits or even for-profits that help other people are often because they've experienced some pain or tragedy in their own life. And that's where they get their healing and they apply that and give that to other people as well. Yeah. So this whole topic about understanding our wounds and our story and all the rest can really help us think through what's motivating us today and how do we want to change 
And how might that even affect the vocation that we're called to because of it? Mm. I know for me, the wounds that I had from my father really have left a heavy imprint on me to say, how can I help mentor other people that have had the same kind of experience I've had? They've grown up without some kind of counselor, some kind of mentor, somebody to walk alongside of them. Yeah. And maybe behind them. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's crazy about this is what I've realized at least is that my wounds have actually affected my relationship because my, my dad's still around. Yeah. You know, and it's negatively impacting my relationship with my dad. So it's mm-hmm. not even something that having this conversation and having this self-reflection, it's not something that'll just help me, but I realize it's going to be something that's really going to help my dad. I think he can see it too, you know? Yeah, for sure. It's not, and I'm not good at hiding my emotions. So I, th- I, I think I reject him a lot because of my wounding, Yeah, you know? Yeah. So I, I, I don't know. This is just really timely. I think this is going to not just help me, but I think it's really going to help my dad even. Yeah. So should we bring this home with a challenge me? Yeah. I mean, I have no idea how to challenge this. So I'm going to leave that in your hands. <laughs> well, all right. We're talking about story. Yeah. And here you are in your life with the challenges that you have, the wounds that you have. Yeah. So think about your story, the wounds that you have, and then write out what your heroine or hero does. Hmm. That'd be me, right? You're talking about the, me. Yeah, oh, be okay. you. Yeah, as a hero. Yeah. <laughs> I heard heroin. I was like, are we getting But how would the, how would the hero in your life approach the wounds that you have right now? Yeah. And just if you were to write the rest of your life story, mm-hmm. how would you want that hero to handle the wounds that you have right now? And getting That's an deep. answer, getting an answer to that question, even if you're just thinking about it or journaling on it or whatever, can maybe be a blueprint for you to mm-hmm. get healing for the wounds that you're carrying. It's deep. <laughs> that's seriously deep i'm trying to think like, how do i how do i write the ending to this story that's crazy i love that that was really good man it was a challenge right yeah okay oh good listen I, this may be a, a difficult topic for some of you and it might be something that you just need some catharsis on and maybe some just to vent a little bit and if you want to do that publicly feel free to leave us a comment on our show notes at reinventure.me slash nine nine we'd love to entertain comments questions anything that you think might be helpful even to other listeners, drop us a, a note there or call our show line at 612-314-5447. We'd love to get your feedback on it and we'd love to have you rate this show on iTunes and on Stitcher, reinventure.me slash iTunes, reinventure.me slash Stitcher takes you right to those platforms where you can do that. Armin and I so much appreciate your being a part of this show. And as we approach our 100th episode next week, we just want to thank you for your faithful attentiveness to just be dialed in here and to listen to what our reinventure means all about. It's been a lot of fun. That's right. Really enjoy it. Thank you guys for being with us. We appreciate you. All right. Until next week and our 100th episode, it's Larry Gates and Armin Asadi bidding you adieu. You've been listening to the Reinventure Me podcast with your hosts, Larry Gates and Armin Asadi.